Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, or in other words, people with a planetary purpose. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Scott Cody. Scott and his work focus on transformational leadership, high-performance team development, employee engagement, and creating cultures that awaken and harness the brilliance of everyone. Scott has co-designed and co-led NASA's award-winning leadership culture change program, the Leadership Alchemy. And Scott Cody is also the founder and executive director of the Institute of Embodied Wisdom, located in Ojai, California. And he's a member of the, he is a member of the board of directors of the Transformational Leadership Council. So with these words, welcome to the show, Scott. And I feel blessed to have you on the line. My pleasure, Julian. How are you? Yeah, I'm excited. I, I love these conversations with people who impact, you know, not just a few dozen, but literally hundreds or thousands of people in the way they understand leadership, because I believe the leadership paradigm is something that, you know, is in a transition or a, a, a transformation. And I recently got to meet you at an event and the number one memory I have to this experience was just your, your, patience and also the energetic feeling of calmness in my own body and so i want to start with that mm. i want to start with this you know something i feel like you're you're naturalizing or you're creating a new normal in in the groups you're meeting and, and so how do you experience that in 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 workplaces where maybe there's a strong hierarchy or there's a strong agenda how do you break that ice well thank you for the noticing i I take that as a very high compliment. Um, I think um, when I met you, I was leading a several hour session for, I think we had about 70, 80 people there. Um, you know, first of all, for myself, um, I've been practicing and working on uh, developing who I am, um, mind, body, spirit, emotion, mood. Uh, for a long time, so it's really great, <laughs> great to hear that uh, people can notice, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I think that when you have that capacity to be with people in, in critical situations and be fully present, and uh, or as present as you can be, and and be calm, um, that it it's noticeable and it's important and. It can produce trust, it can produce relationship, it can have people relax, people can be more creative, um, people can feel part of, and uh, they can feel like they belong. And I think those are necessary foundations for people to come together and, and really um, spark what's ultimately possible between a group of people. And as we both know, all kinds of amazing things can happen when a group of people get together and there's the right connection and the right intention and uh, um, and it's really harnessing harnessing that possibility that's something that's a passion of mine and something I've been working on for a long time yeah it definitely is um, you know for one visible or sensible sense sensible in the room in that sense um, but but also like I, I love where you just point to that is that possibility field that actually every group has and then what I've experienced across the world you know I grew up in Europe as I told you a little earlier and live in North America since a while come to South America often 
hierarchies and structures that are somehow almost like assumed at sometimes mm -hmm. they take over and sometimes trump that possibility field and so mm -hmm. and let me just maybe bring that question back into this context like how do you break the ice in all these places you go to so so yeah. that assumed hierarchy is just for mm -hmm. the moment on pause well that's a it's a great question and i i um let's spend the time answering it because it takes time to you know answer it it's it, you know when you say how do i do that well it's not an easy answer you know how you do it um so let's look at it um so i go to a lot of organizations and um there is hierarchy there and um but what I've come to learn is in, in families, uh, every system has a hierarchy. It's part of, you can't escape it. There's a natural order. There's, there's uh, you know, you go to a company who's trying to have a very flat organization in terms of, you know, levels of managers and things. But there's still the hierarchy of who's worked there how many years. You know, you can't escape that. There's been people there 10 years and there's been people there for six months. And um, so on one hand, there is a purpose for hierarchy and it provides something that's useful. Mm -hmm. It's a historical way of organizing things, but it's still something that's natural in terms of human beings and how we orient ourselves inside of family groups or communities or societies. Now we know that there's lots of new technology and new uh, thrusts that are you know, enabling more, more flatness or, or less hierarchy, which is, which is fantastic. But when the key thing that I'm looking at is when the purpose of the organization becomes to reinforce the hierarchy rather than doing what's ultimately possible should this group of people come together, then they're in trouble. You know, then then we're just um, uh, focused on ourselves rather than doing something good in the world. And you can see this in political situations. You can see this in 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 certain organizations where absolutely, yeah. So the first thing is is the first how is to go and and not make whatever's there wrong or bad. Like a play, you know, acceptance. Um, it's not whatever. However, it is is, is fine. Yeah, could it be better? Yeah, it might be better. Is there a, is there a right way to do it? No, there isn't a right way to do it. So I'm always looking at what's ultimately possible here, and then what level of relatedness, what structure, how much hierarchy, how less hierarchy is necessary to unleash that possibility. Yeah, you get a group of, huh? That's an interesting inquiry yeah. in the first place of mm -hmm. how much of it is necessary to support the possibility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Rather than fighting hierarchy altogether because it serves a certain purpose. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> in an organization, uh, there was some really, really great work done by a guy named uh, Will Schutz back uh, in World War II. He's an industrial psychologist. The Navy hired him to figure out how to get submarine crews to come together really quickly and be an effective fighting force because they were they could manufacture a submarine in not very much time 
but put guys on it, but could they go out and operate and be effective and not get killed and, uh, and be, you know, be, uh, complete their missions and win the war or whatever. So they had a really big concern about getting these crews. So he looked at this phenomena of people coming together. Uh, and he just made a couple of distinctions, which, um, I think are brilliant and I still use them today. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you have a group of people coming together, the first concern a person has, and this is Will Shute's work, is uh, inclusion. Am I part of the group or not? Kind of in or out. So in a company, you have a new employee. Okay, do they? How long does it take for them to feel like they're part of the team? You know, uh, you put a new team together. Um, you have a big project, whatever it is. You know, who's on the team, who's not, and do they feel like do they feel like they're part of it? And every human being is different. So what he distinguished was some people have high needs for inclusion. They don't feel part of the team unless they get the hat, the meeting, the orientation, the secret handshake, the badge, the manual, six months, a mentor, a coach, you know, and a lot of good positive feedback and high need. Okay. Some people like have the secret handshake if there is yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Some people have a low need for inclusion. You know, welcome to the team. You know, here's your desk, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boom. That's it. And they're fine. You know, it's just a wide spectrum. Okay. Make sense? Makes total sense. Yeah. It's human beings, right? But here's the, here's the curious thing. When people don't get their inclusion need met, they have weird behavior. They don't <laughs> feel safe. They don't feel part of they act out, they do things to get noticed, they, they're taking energy away from the group of the team. They haven't got their, yeah. they I, haven't got their, there's, yeah. there's memories in my life lighting up yeah. when I say that. Yeah, exactly. So I'll share a very short anecdote. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I had. It's when I, so when I was a teenager, and some, some of the listeners know this about me, um, I spent a year in, in Paraguay, out of all places, in an intercultural exchange. And you know, the, the German kid, that walked into any social group would just like raise his hand and like wave like, hey guys, what's up? And that was my way to say hello. Yeah. And so one day my host brother came to me, he's like, yo, Julian, you're so impolite. Like, fuck, what are you doing? People like don't like when, the way you say hi. And I'm like, what do you mean? And so the inclusion, I wasn't met. I didn't include people in the way I said hi because the cultural <coughs> norm is to literally go and shake the hand of every single one give a half hug at the minimum and just say like, Hey, I see you. Hey, what's up? I see you. Hey, what's up? And so I didn't know that. And so I literally walked into one of those, you know, like classical intercultural learning moments. (laughs) People projected onto me like, wow, you're an entitled, like, like (laughs) private person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Good, 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 good. Exact example. So now once, uh, so what we need to do is to have people get their inclusion need met. And this is a leadership job, right? How, how are you going to do, does everyone on the team feel included? What's their level of inclusion needs? Are we meeting them? Okay. Now you can't, you know, you got people with extreme high inclusion needs. You may, may not need those people or you don't have the time or it's, you know, um, that could be a problem, but now you have your inclusion need met and you feel like you're part of the thing. Now you're in a group of people, and then the next concern is, is it safe? And this is the big concern for everyone working in organizations, large organizations, is, is it safe? You know, who's in control of my career? Who's in control of whether I have a job or not? Who's in control of what kind of work I'm going to do? Who I'm working with? 
what are the conditions under which I have to you know, work here? How much of my soul do I have to sacrifice in order to get a check? <laughs> you know, and in large organizations, lots of people are unhappy. You know, there's, they measure something called engagement scores and, yeah. and, and, you know, this is part of my personal um, mission is that I just was born with a belief or grew up with a belief working for my father and his own company that work should be a place you go to where you get to contribute, um, uh, feel good about yourself. Um, you know, you work hard, but you love it. You, know, you, you feel like, wow, I did something, you know, I got appreciated. I created something. I am part of something. And you come home, maybe you're a little tired because you worked hard, but you feel good because you were doing something awesome. You know, I believe that's how work should be. Unfortunately, I like that vision of work. A lot of organizations, uh, you know, uh, are places that people just survive in or, you know, they get the check, but they go home to live, you know, and that's sad. So that's part of my motivation. So is it safe? And then, of course, just like in the first one, there's people with low needs for safety, you know, and high needs for safety. And if someone doesn't get their safety need met, they're going to act out and have bad behavior that takes energy away from the group. And so, you know, is it safe is a fundamental human concern we've had, you know, forever. Uh, I mean, all animals have it, but they're not necessarily conscious. We're conscious of it. We have it and we're conscious of it, you know. And we're always moving to be safer, which means we have a longer future, right? So then once you feel safe, uh, like, and this is physical, emotional safety, right? Then the next and final one that he distinguished was um, openness. You know, how, how, much, uh, how much disclosure do I, what do I need to know about everybody so I can trust them? How much do I need them to know about me so I can feel like they trust me? Okay. Yeah, it's like a precursor to yeah. opening up creatively creatively yeah. as well yeah. Like, yeah i won't show parts of my creativity yeah. if yeah. there's not an established trust field there yeah yeah so you know first you know inclusion you have your inclusion need and then you have your safety need now the safety need is met by control so the methodology that people use to produce safety for themselves is control can i control my environment can I control what's happening? Do I have control or not? If I don't have any control over nothing, then I don't feel safe, you know? So then when I get into this last piece around openness, um, you know, how much do I disclose? How much do they disclose? So you know, you've met people where they want to tell you everything about themselves. It's important for them for you to get that, but they want to know everything. Other people's like, you know, handshake and good and you're all right yeah i'm all right you know <laughs> you don't need to know much and 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 you're fine you know and if you don't get their they don't get their openness needs met then they they act out and take energy away from the group so the all these needs are normal every human being has inclusion control openness concern when they get part of a group or a team you can't escape it it could be low or could be high and it could be low on one, high on another one, low on another one. The thing that Will shoots first he distinguished these things, and then what his brilliance was is 
helping people move through all three fast so we don't, they get out of the way. Let's address these things. So when you ask how I go into an organization with the hierarchy, I'm looking through a lot of different lenses. That's just one of the lens. But yeah. we have human beings there and they have concerns and they have needs and they have worries and they have doubts. And if those aren't being addressed, aren't being paid attention to, there's not much we can do to change the, the story there. Just you know? don't actually show up and be in yeah. there. Yeah. So that's one thing. Hmm. Another thing is to have them have the experience, as I said earlier, of being accepted. Everybody's fine. You know, everybody, <laughs> we're not getting rid of anybody, you know? Um, and then the, the, then the next thing is, well, what, what's the point here? What's the purpose? Um, and, uh, you know, if we're just here to make money, well, that might not be, I mean, it's important to make money because you have to survive and you have to, you know, continue on. Um, and in general, for business, making more money might be a good thing in most cases, you know, but it's generally not enough to inspire people to want to learn and grow and develop themselves. And that's really the next, the next thing is we just can't come in and change the hierarchy or eliminate the hierarchy or anything like that mm. unless we have everybody open to learning and growing as a person, not necessarily in their whole personal life, but how they show up at work. Now we know that personal and work, are, you know, can't separate the two, but we don't want to require them to have to um, um, make changes that they're uncomfortable with because then they'll back out, you know, you see, but, so this is just it, like all the flags show up for me in, in good ways. I'm, I'm just so curious about this because you say, we know this and, 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 and you listening, you know this as well, right? You can truly divide your identity, your true soul, your essence, and the way you show up at work. They're connected. And so yes. what, what comes up in me there is this idea, this notion, also my curiosity about how come that we're still running a society at large that is, um, you know, surrendered to a form of capitalism that's, that puts profit first instead of understanding this... Uh, like slightly more complex matrix, you know, like I'm personally, yeah. I personally believe in the triple bottom line of people, planet, profit, which yes. will still include profit, right? We're not yes. trying to create a social yeah. regime or anything, but it, you know, I'm obviously like really excited about this. So, so what do you see after all the work you've done, after all these different organizations you've gone through, where do you see as one of the many, not a sidetrack from where we're already going, but one of the many leverage points of, creating this as a new normal that people are just honest with this notion of like, we can't fully separate the state of the world from the destructive power of capitalism. Mm -hmm. We can maybe use capitalism to re-engineer and innovate back to a holistic state of the world. But what do you, where do you see are those leverage points? Because you've worked with big companies like mm -hmm. NASA, you, you've taught people that are influencing thousands or tens of thousands mm -hmm. of people every day. Yeah. Very curious about that one. Yeah. Well, give me one half second to just oh, see yeah. how I want to enter, enter this great question. So my own personal belief that the, one, of the funda one of the fundamental flaws of capitalism as, we, as we've known it historically and a fundamental 
framework of human beings being on the planet in the last um, certainly, I don't know, you know, 700 years or so, is this notion of the individual. And we, um, we have a construct, a narrative that we live in, that we are important, we're, we're an individual, we're separate from uh, other people and other things. And with this individual orientation, which historically didn't, human beings didn't have that. You know, the, the, it got invented in a certain moment in time. You were just part of the community. You know, you, you didn't have too much individual uh, orientation. And with that, um, then the unconsciousness comes of, you know, you winning, winning against the other individuals because you're in competition with everybody. And then of course you get ego and unconsciousness and then I want more than you because then I feel better about myself. And that leads to unconscious investing. And, and my personal view is that one of the big problems with uh, capitalism is the investor and the investor believing he or she has a right to a return. And, and they can orient themselves that way and they can invest their money under those conditions and then, of course, we have to produce a return for the investor. So whatever that takes, you know. So this is this individual orientation. And then, of course, we separate ourselves as a person from the planet. Yeah. Now, part of the root of this problem is human beings have overdeveloped the mind and lost connection with their body. So, you know, all the education systems, all the professions, uh, all this normal kind of learning, which is fantastic, you know, and with it, we get space shuttles and we get bridges and we get buildings and we get, you know, water treatment plants and iPhones and everything. It's fantastic. The cost of it is we've lost connection with our animal selves, with our physical selves, and we become unembodied. Okay, so, all right, so okay. then, then what happens is, what people don't realize is that only through our bodies that we can be in an authentic, deep relationship with others and the earth. And if we lose connection to our body, we lose connection to the earth. Then we can't feel her, we can't love her, we can't care for her. When we go into our mind, it's a thing that we can optimize, to slice and dice and take resources from make calculations that can justify what we're doing absolutely we're separate from everything yeah. and so the curse of the modern world in my view is the separation of, of inside of ourselves of mind and body and this individual notion that then puts us on a track to everything that's happening so what i my personal mission is in my work when i go into organizations well i'm trying to help the organization be better i'm trying to help them be more successful i'm trying to help create a culture that people love and, and, and have this, you know, uh, unleashing this collective brilliance of the people. That's all fantastic. You know, that kind of is what pays the, 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 the bill. And, but the secret mission is that they wake up inside individually, reconnect inside of their whole self, and then they transform their relationships with everybody that they know and with the, with the world and, and, 
And I've seen this happen over, over many, many years. And I can tell you one story if we have time. That's, I think well, we have definitely time for that. I think those, you know, those are the stories that made me start this podcast journey is, uh-huh. is, is understanding that when, when we listen to, you know, people who are in their mastery, like yourself in, in, in sharing these leadership skills and knowledge, when we, when we hear those experiences and we hear real stories that make us smile or cry, then we can actually relate with it because I totally relate to what you're saying. The moment it's an abstraction of my mind, it is, gets un- impersonal. Like I, I yeah. own this, this, this mm-hmm. iPhone, Google phone, whatever it is. Um, the person who, who's, who's mined the, the, the copper and, and all this, it's, it's just a person on the other side of the world for me. Mm-hmm. If I mm-hmm. were to stand next to that person and feel their lifestyle, I might actually not buy this phone. Yeah. I, I'm not connected to it because yeah. I'm, I'm systematically disconnected from it. So any yeah. of those stories, I think, is, is yeah. valuable and there's time for it. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to take names and company names and personal names out. But <clears throat> so I'm working with a senior team of one of the world's largest companies. And I'd been working with them for a while. And um, they had been coming along very very well and things are getting better and the and the and the senior guy on the team really had a lot of personal transformation and had gotten into into this stream that we just talked about of reconnecting his self and uh with his physical and and with the earth and and uh, kind of an awakening if you will which is fantastic and after a couple of years of work you know so now we're going to have a retreat with he and his senior team. And um, these retreats are often like at a hotel or a, 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 a um, you know, cabin in the woods or, um, you know, some golf resort or something, you know, um, kind of manicured and whatnot. But I said, hey, let's bring them out to some sacred land that a teacher I know owns in uh, New Mexico where they're you know, they're organic farm and they, they're doing practices and being guided by, you know, appropriate uh, elders with appropriate altars. And let's have them out there. Sounds like I'd like to hang out. Yeah. Yeah. To have the meeting in a natural place. And we'll just say it's kind of an adventure camping weekend. You know, we're not going to make anything about it weird or scary or anything. Cause you know, some of these people, they're your traditional, you know, fundamental religion, Republican, you know, person, you know, they're, they're doing the job. And so, uh, yeah. Okay. Let's do it. So we, we, we bring, bring them out there. Now, the only thing we do that would be anything weird or new or, um, spiritual is we have a brief, simple ceremony of just saging each person as a welcome to the land. And they're gonna sleep in tents or in earth structures on, on, they're gonna be sleeping on the earth, but like camping or in earth structure. And we have a nice meeting space. We sit on the floor instead of in chairs, normal business meeting. And then they're gonna be the meals, you know? Now the meals are being prepared by the community members who are living on the land, growing the food, they prepare the food with love 
and they present the food intentionally and with a little, a little, uh, you know, um, prayer to the mother. Everybody's cool with it, you know. They have a great time. Now, the one guy is there, is in charge of the, the trains, of booking the trains. And this company uses a lot of trains around, around the world, but in the United States and Canada particularly. And, um, yeah, supply chain guy and just, you know. So after the meeting, I was at, talking to the guy. I'm, I'm saying, uh, so how, you know, how, how was the meeting? And he's like, yeah, it was great. It was great to be out there. Uh, it was you know, beautiful to be in, in that part of um, uh, New Mexico. And um, yeah, I thought the meeting was good, blah, blah, blah. I said, what was your favorite part? And he says, the food. <laughs> I never tasted food that that was that good before. <laughs> now, I forgot to mention, this company happens to be in the food business. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, ingredients and, you know, processed stuff, right? Yeah. I said, well, you know, it was organic. <laughs> he says, that's what organic food tastes like? <laughs> I said, yeah. He goes, oh, my God. It was fantastic. <laughs> now, I didn't tell him it was present made with love and all the yeah, and, yeah. You know, all that. And I said, yeah, they grew it right on the land. He goes, no way. So, anyway this starts a transformation for the guy. Yeah. He starts eating organic food. He loses a bunch of weight. He gets healthier. He then falls in love with the notion of sustainability. Yeah. And then later he becomes the sustainability officer for this company. Oh, wow. And he's very conscious. And it's a beautiful trend. And, you know, and it, it's just, you can't force people, mm. you know, you have to show them and have them have the experience. And, and, uh, and if we can do that for some of the people that have their hands on the levers of power and decisions in the world, um, <laughs> uh, that's, that's a good great thing. story, Scott. Really I love that you shared this. I feel like yeah. that intelligence of mother earth or, you know, um, the, the cosmos or whatever we want to interpret or understand over there. But that, that moment that that food hit that person's body and the yeah. body's chemistry changed and yeah. the electromagnetic field of the yeah. person changed. Yeah. yeah. It's but just, look, all it needs, right? Yeah. And then, but look, you know, it's like a context. It's being in New Mexico. It's mm -hmm. sleeping on the ground. It's yeah. eating organic food for the first time. Being in a container that was safe, you know, yeah. there's enough relationship trust to, to do that. Um, that can, I, I just want to point out on one hand, it's just simple thing that can produce a huge transformation, right? I have a, a question for you that is somewhat related. Um, mm -hmm. The question is this, how would you change the education system? But let me put the context of relating it because I feel like, you know, the education system at large is obviously a big beast and we can talk about this for, for five hours. Yeah. But if, if, you, if you take in this context of safety and like being receptive to learning, mm -hmm. um, specifically, I'm, I'm talking about like the first stages of education until we're maybe like all the way to university because mm -hmm. really education never stops, right? Mm -hmm. But what would be a leverage point or two that from the work you're doing and you see how adults 
show up in the workplace on the other end of that education cycle? <laughs> what would you implement or, or see as like one of the fundamental pieces of change? Well, that's a great question. I'm, I'm going to back into your question to finish one thought that I didn't, I didn't finish. That, so as I was saying in these organizations and starting to have these people, you know, become aware and, and uh, learning. So it's the, so learning about themse themselves at work, but in relationship to how they're affecting the other people. Now, this is the key distinction. What we want to have is a, is a bunch of people, let's just say if we're talking about the senior team of an organization, but, but that sets the tone for the rest of the organization. We want people to be on the team aware of themselves and how they're, how they're doing themselves, conscious of their own actions and behaviors, but also aware of how it's affecting the other people. Are they adding energy to the team or are they taking energy away? And can they see it to the other individuals and collectively? And so we want people that have the commitment and the passion to say, how am I doing on this team? Am I helping or hurting? And how can I do better? And then we want teammates that are willing to give and reflect back to people, you know, when it's working well and when they can be improved. And that's the kind of learning that we need people to get. Now, the education system, is that going to be able to do that for people when they're coming up? Maybe. Um, but this is getting back to getting us out of individual orientation into a collective orientation. And how am I in the collective? Am I helping the collective or am I hurting the collective? One of the things I see with a lot of groups that are well-intended uh, for, let's say, um, well, any any type of organization, but a lot of people are coming together for a lot of good purposes and good people for good purpose, but the group dynamic and the team dynamic, you know, there's, there's somebody in there with a good purpose, but they're an egomaniac and it ruins the group. Yeah. You know? So I think my biggest wish would be in the education system is that somehow we start getting at this notion of individual versus collective and i think the root of that is you know philosophy is 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 the uh the place where i first started learning about this and um maybe it's as simple as having everyone read the book ishmael mm -hmm. have you read that yeah yeah that was certainly uh uh daniel quinn's book certainly is a uh, good powerful stepping stone interesting how can i serve the collective Serve and how am I how am I impacting the collective? How yeah. how am I being? Am I am I magnifying this group or am I am I am I hurting? And am I aware? You see, this this brings me back to the beginning of this conversation mm -hmm. because this is you shared a lot of really profound wisdom and insights at this Odyssey um, event and convergence where, where I had the pleasure to like learn with you, but the way you were being is what stayed with me longest because I've gone through many different forms of coaching and leadership training. And often, even though the person is super well intended, the, the energy is, I got to drive a certain point and we have a certain amount of time and let, let me drive this point. 
And actually, to, to be fairly honest, at times, this is what I've struggled myself to, to relax around that notion, to, to soften on those edges. Because I've, I've learned over time that that actually creates a resistance to learning. And so with your way of being, it felt like number one, it was about, I'm going to speak a superlative. I'm not saying that's what you were thinking, but it, it felt like you had this intention of, let me just be the most relaxed guy in this room and let me lead from there. And that notion of being the quote unquote, most relaxed person in the room is something I've, I've toyed with in through spiritual practices and, 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 and teachers that, you know, that I've listened to is this, what am I adding to the group? What am I adding to a room? What am I adding to any experience that I'm showing up in? Am I adding a, an energy that is receptive or am I adding an energy that is forcefully trying to get somewhere? And, mm -hmm. and so that alone allowed me to, to really just arrive in more presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, well, you know, you, one, could come to a conference to present a particular topic and put on a great show and, and, and uh, a motivational speech or, uh, you know, so, so much information or so much knowledge on a topic that it's great. And, you know, that, that's one way of doing it. And it's fantastic. What I, what I'm, I'm trying to, my, my commitment is always to serve who's there. And since I'm the topic and what I'm working on is embodiment and leadership and some of these things, I, I have to be it if I'm going to teach it, but the best way to teach it is to show it. So I can't be talking about stuff that I'm not being, yeah. you know, and um, what was particularly beautiful and challenging about that that event uh, for me and just maybe to um, uh, pat myself on the back a little bit and acknowledge the work that I've done over the years. Um, I was fresh off a flight from Kuala Lumpur. And, uh, yeah. you know, that uh, three, three planes to get there. And, uh, and then, you know, have this moment to serve 70 something people for three hours. And as I learned from my teacher, Richard Strozzi Heckler, uh, it's not about you. you. You give yourself over to the moment. You give yourself over to who's there, uh, to what you're committed to. And, and then with your body, when you have a level of embodiment, you can, and you've done this for a while, you, you know that you can feel into how to serve what's needed you're going to go faster or slower you're going to you know more or less uh this person or that person uh stay on the gender or divert you just and then you learn to trust your internal wisdom that's in in your body and you kind of for me the the uh, rational mind uh the linear brain kind of goes to the back the agenda gets thrown out and then it's more like um performance or you know playing music in a band or something and you're just with the audience and you're interacting and you're, you're riffing. And, uh, and I'm glad that you experienced that and you've, you felt that and you can't go and try and do it. You just have to go and, and, and be, you know? Yeah. 
full circle with another topic that came up right from the beginning is the, the trust, right? The trust in the space and the field, but then also to yourself, your internal body wisdom and, and your internal genius, right? Or, or maybe even your internal crazy that once it is in the right mm -hmm. space, it's, it's right for the, for the space. Mm -hmm. Scott, thank you so much. I wish we had even more time for, for this interview, um, but I think this was the first great teaser of, of some of the insights and the wisdoms that, that you have to share. And so thank you for the time and thank you for, for sharing them with us. You're very welcome. And Julian, thank you for having me and thank you for your great work and sharing these important messages with everybody. And that's that, another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it, very much so, and we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line, where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together, and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to a Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you. And I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships. Because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of inside evolution and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation, or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. Because, like, th guys, this is real life. Let's be in touch and let's create this together. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host, both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments, and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected, because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in. Connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you, and until soon. 